Why, what a crowd this is tonight. Good evening. Rabbi Jonathan, Rabbi Beth, my brother and sister in the kingdom of God. The leadership of this very fine congregation, Temple Emmanuel, to all of the congregants, to those congregants of Third Baptist Church who join me here tonight to celebrate with you an enterprise of interfaith, intercultural, interracial, and what God intended for God's family to look like. Words fall far too short for me to express how significant our coming together is. And I contend that it was ordained of God. I'm a history buff. And I took the time to refresh my memory. You know, I did have a stroke in 2010, and my mobility was compromised a little bit. But I thank God that my mouth and my mind are still intact. And I want to thank God that Temple Emmanuel and Third Baptist are still intact. We had to be this way because, though many of you may not know it, but Third Baptist and Temple Emmanuel have been demographically and geographically neighbors since the 1860s. Third Baptist was located at 518 Powell Street. Temple Emanuel was located at 450 Sutter. And if you go to the penthouse of Wells Fargo Bank, you will discover up there a beautiful painting of the skyline back in 1865. And to my delight, what did I see there? The steeple of Third Baptist and those two spirals of Temple Emmanuel. So give yourselves a big hand, Third Baptist and Temple Emmanuel, that you've hung together for all these many years. 
And I contend that Temple Emmanuel and Third Baptist know how to do the right thing. But from the very early days, we were avant-garde. We were on the cutting edge. We dared to do the different thing. Think about it. A good number of Temple Emmanuel's potential congregants back in the day were from Eastern Europe and Poland. But when the first rabbi was chosen, the congregation did not go looking for someone of Polish background, but the record reveals there, there was Dr. Julius Ekman of German background. Third Baptist knows how to do the good thing. For Third Baptist, when she came into being, in response to segregation, dehumanization in First Baptist, person who called the meeting was a woman named Eliza Davis after she had some pillow talk with her husband William Davis. And thanks be to God, down to this very evening, still Third Baptist and Temple Emmanuel are leaping over boundaries and bringing people together, for you have a husband and wife team here, Rabbi Jonathan and Rabbi Beth, one of the greatest pairs of rabbinic expressions south of heaven, north of hell. Give them a big hand. Now, I too would like to acknowledge that my wife, Jane, is here, who's been keeping me in check and taught me how to become a vegetarian. <laughs> and she's gone a distance beyond me. She's vegan. Stand up, Jane. Let them see you again. We have here tonight the congregants of Third Baptist who came to be with us in spite of that flu. All congregants of Third Baptist Church stand. Let Temple Emmanuel, our family, see you tonight. Now, I won't hold you very long, but since a whole lot transpired within the last 24 hours, <laughs> I had to change the direction of my intended message. And this evening, 
against the backdrop of a little story, a parable that a rabbi of the first century told. In that book of Matthew, chapter 13, these words are recorded. Another parable spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. Without a parable spake he not unto them. Then he said unto them that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man who has a field and he sowed seed in that field of wheat. But while he was asleep in the night, somebody sowed tares in the field. The kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, says this prophet, may be likened to a man who has a field and sows good seed in that field. But while the man was asleep, somebody, some rascal, some contrary mind sowed tares in the field. For eight years, America had a good field. For eight years, there was a man who, in leadership capacity, was trying to lead those who were tilling in the field. But after eight years passed, this man, elegant, this man, well-trained, this man, well-paused, this man, a family man, a scholar, an orator, and a great example for our children to look up to. No disgrace in the White House. 
No major scandal there. But since that day, some man came and sold some tares amongst the wheat. Now, don't get uneasy tonight. This is not a political statement. I'm talking about the human family and the feel of these United States of America. And I could go back further before this man, the right one, who knew how to sow good wheat, got in the White House and called up the name of John Winthrop who from that ship Arbella, after they had docked there near the Massachusetts Bay Colony, wrote a letter talking about a city on the hill. But that city was not up there just to look pretty and to be gloating about making it great again. That city was known for its goodness. But if you Google Arbella and about the fact that Winthrop from that ship wrote a message about what that city had to look like, you will discover it was known by charity. It was known by caring for one another. It was known about learning. It was known about sharing. It was known about caring. But he said, if you fail a forfeit to keep the covenant, the judgment of God will be upon you. Well, I come down here before I take my seat to tell you tonight, I feel, I repeat, has been messed up. As many people didn't want to hear me a year ago, but the prophet has got to speak, and as Brother Barber said, if you all had listened to Amos, you will not be where you are today. But I said one year ago to a group, and they looked at me like I was crazy. There was a man named H.L. Mickens, senior editor of the Baltimore Sun, who wrote 100 years ago, as democracy is perfected, the office of president represents more and more closely the inner soul of the people on some great and glorious day the plain folks of the land will reach their heart's desire at last and the White House will be adorned by a downright moron. Now, I didn't say that. <laughs> My mom and daddy taught me how to not call people out of their names. But I'm just quoting what this prolific writer, this scholar, this world journalist who was from German background was not black. And he said that plain folks of America will get their just desires and their heart's desire if they do not watch out and stand up for right, for intellect, 
for understanding and for a country being a democratic society, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, he said there would be the day when a moron would be in the White House and the prophecy has come true. But how did we get there? Let me go back further. There has been in the DNA of this country an evil seed. God created all of us for good. I dare to believe that there is no such thing as a depraved state of human nature. For the Bible in Genesis said after God had created the earth and the world, he looked at it and he said, it's good. When he created humankind, he said, it's very good. So God didn't make no junk when he made you and me. All of us has worth. Each of us is to have dignity bestowed upon us because it came from God. Each of us is somebody. Each of us has a divine spark in us. But because of what Reinhold Niebuhr calls collective evil, we have become tainted with persons who sown bad seed in the field, the kingdom of God. And that seed just keeps on coming up. It keeps on cropping up. For there's a book written by one great scholar up there at Columbia University, professor of sociology, has this to say, as he looks upon the notion that America has lost its sense of evil. We know not what to call good and what to call right. We are in the age now of alternative facts. But even before this age, in 1891, a sociologist named Edward Ross, hear me tonight, coined the term race suicide to describe the plight of the besieged Anglo-Saxons whose birth rate was falling because of late marriages, a culture of sexual self-control, and the beginning of modern contraceptives caused them to be below those of the, listen, the sweaty Negroes and aliens who engaged, it seemed, an incessant copulation. For some, the color of the peril was chiefly yellow, but others, it was those Jews. Infamous for their fecundity, Asians were, according to the Democratic Party platform of 1884, unfitted by habit, training, or religion for the citizenship which our laws conferred. And then others were alarmed by the concupiscence of the Jews, 
There's no swarming, wrote Henry James in 1903, like that of Israel. A year later, Theodore Roosevelt summed up the varieties of xenophobic resentment with an article entitled True Americanism, in which he borrowed Ross's phrase about the coming suicide and declared it the duty of everyone of Native American descent, listen, to bring forth at least four children in order to forestall the extinction of the race, all who fell in this duty, he said flatly, were criminals. In 2015, Pat Buchanan, while running for president, y'all wake up, I'm gonna wrap it up in a minute. <laughs> when Pat Buchanan was running for president in 2015, what came out of his mouth? You white women better get back to your duty of having more babies. Or either the black, the brown, and the yellow folks are going to take over. Let me say quiet and respectfully. We should not go to sleep and be foolish and let this nonsense of xenophobic thinking be sown into this country. Everybody came from somewhere. Nobody owns this earth. My Bible says the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, for he's established it upon the sea and founded it upon the flood. The world belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to any man or any woman. It's God's earth. But here we are caught up, Rabbi, in this nonsense of stuff that's been sown in the field, talking about keeping out those terrorists. Help me, Holy Ghost. All terrorists are not over there in the Middle East. All terrorists are not somebody who looks brown. There was a terrorist who blew up the Maury building there in Oklahoma City a few years ago. Help me, somebody. There was some terrorists who blew up 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama in 1963. Terrorists are everywhere. It comes in all colors and all stripes. And we all ought to say, God be merciful unto us all, for we are sinners and we have gone astray. Abortion? I'm walking through here tonight. The religious right talking about babies. Jump up and down and talk about the fetus. But after the baby gets here, they will cut health care. They will cut food for children who don't have enough to eat and their stomachs are growling. They will fail to support educational programs. So as Thomas Jefferson said, education is a right for everybody and is the foundation of our democratic society. And if we had such reverence for life, Rabbi Jonathan, why would we be supporting capital punishment? 
If we had such reverence for life, why would we be jumping up and down, wanting to push a button and talk about whose button is the biggest and who can go to war the quickest and who can destroy who? You got to see somebody got some hidden agenda. And the hidden agenda is a numbers game. And then on yesterday, you wonder why he said it? He said it because it's been shown in the field. It's in the DNA. When he talked about that whole, and I respect the sanctity of this hallowed place here, if he were not so ill-informed and had gotten his lessons in school, he would have known that people who come from the continent of Africa have contributed to this nation's development. He would discover that if his heart messed up, and hopefully he does have a good report from the doctor, that the first man who did a successful operation on the human heart was a black man named Daniel Hale Williams at Howard University, a black school in Washington, D.C. If he had really gone to the biology class and excel as he ought to by doing his own studying, he would have discovered the first blood bank for the storage of the blood plasma for human beings who would need a blood transfusion was a man named Drew, a black man. And whether you got A blood type or you got O, you can't dump them down and argue about what race the person. If you want to live, you're going to get that blood or else you'll be a dead duck, dead before the deadline. What am I saying tonight? I'm simply saying, thank God for Temple Emmanuel. Thank God for Third Baptist. For we know how to do the right thing and bring people together and not push them asunder and make them divided based on race, on gender, on sexual orientation, on where you came from. It's not where you came from that matters. It's where you're going that really counts in this life. So I just come by here to say to you tonight that the bad seed was sown, sown by Ross, sown by Roosevelt. For even many of us have given, yes, plaudit and credit to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But if the truth be told, we got to tell our children that not many as did die in the Holocaust, would have died had not America opened its doors to the children of Israel when they were going through the Holocaust. Help me, somebody. I know I'm telling the truth tonight. No one is perfect, but we failed your community when we should have been opening the doors Swinging the gate wide open, we slammed the door and established a quota for Jews. And even Roosevelt himself said, we don't want too many in America. So what are we going to do about it? Two brothers. One was named Zeke. The other was named Zeb. 
who upon hearing that Texas International and Continental Airlines had become a merged airline and there would be great employment there for a whole lot of people. These two brothers, Zeke and Zed, were from Arkansas. And all they knew to do was to work on the farm, to milk the cows, to pull the corn. But after they heard of this new possibility for economic advancement, they decided that they would go to Houston, Texas, Dr. Butler. They got on the back of their mule named Betsy, rode across the plains, ended up early that Monday morning at the employment office of this airline. Zeke was the first one to go in for his interview. The interviewer looked at him and said, what's your skill? He said, I'm a woodcutter. He said, woodcutter? What makes you think you can get a job here as a woodcutter? He said, well, I heard that you are hiring. He said, but I don't need woodcutters particularly right now, but I need pilots right now. He said to him, man, I want a job. He said, well, if you want a job, you can uh, sign the application here and on the dotted line. You don't have to fill it all out. Come back after your first flight. So he signs, jumps up, kicks up his heel as he goes out in the hall passing his brother Zed. He said, Zed, man, you better get in there and see what you can come up with. He said, what did you come up with? He said, I got a job as a pilot making $125,000 a year. He said, man, you kidding. He said, oh, no, I'm not. He said, you go in there and see what you can come up with. So Zed goes in there and he sits down nervously looking at, at the man. He said, I came to get a job. He said, what is your skill? He said, I'm a woodcutter. He said, woodcutter, what makes you think you can get a job here as a woodcutter? This is an airline. We are looking for pilots. He said, well, you just hired my brother, making $125,000 a year. He said, but we really need pilots, but I don't know what I can do with a woodcutter around here. Zed looked at him and said, man, I don't know much about that piloting thing. But I do know one thing, that Zeke can't pilot until I cuts it. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and give me a big hand. <laughs> oh, my brothers and sisters, we want to pilot for the world order this great democracy. We want to brag about how powerful we are in America and how good we are. And there's something to be said about that. We do have good things happening in America. But I just come to tell you tonight on the eve of celebrating Dr. King's dream that we will not be able to pilot and keep America safe and secure until we get to the point of seeing that we got to cut it 
in terms of respecting everybody. We've got to cut it in terms of making sure we get rid of this chauvinism, this classism, this anti-Semitism. We got to cut it in terms of getting rid of all of this xenophobic nonsense that's afoot in this nation today. For God knows democracies only last, according to historians, for about two or 300 years. And if America does not get it right, clean up the field, put things in order, elect the Congress, Congress people who know how to tell the truth that they went into a meeting and they heard a president say, folks from Africa should not be coming to America because they are from that hole. We need folks who will stand up for justice, stand up for righteousness, stand up for women, stand up for the education of our children, stand up for fair wages, stand up for a city, stand up for love, stand up for peace, stand up for justice, stand up for honor, stand up for integrity, stand up for understanding, Stand up for interracial love. Stand for interfaith pride. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Let us stand up until the day will come when no more will there be jangling discords of unrest in America, but there will be a beautiful symphony. There will be harmony everywhere. And all of us would be able to say, antifically, I'm black and I'm proud. I'm brown and I'm sound. I'm yellow and I'm mellow. I'm red and I ain't dead. I'm white and I'm all right. I'm a woman, but I'm wise. I'm gay, but I'm godly. I'm an immigrant, but I'm industrious. I am a part of America. This is my land. This is my country. This is my home. And I'm going to stay here until the Lord calls me home. God bless you there. Stand together. Let's cut it. Let's do it. We can do it. Will we do it? Say yes. Say yes. Will we love everybody? Will we help everybody? Will we welcome everybody? Well, if we do that, then we will get the day coming when the kingdom of our God will become a kingdom on this earth and we will all be able to say hallelujah, hallelujah. Thanks be to God, we're one family of the human family.